1: Hello, and thank you for joining us for another Housing Matters podcast. It's your favorite data nerds back with everything you need to know about the housing market and the economy. My name is Jordan Levine. I'm Vice President and Chief Economist here at the California Association of Realtors, and I'm joined by my good friend and your Deputy Chief Economist, Oscar Way. Hey, Oscar. Hey, Jordan. Hi, everyone. Hope everyone is doing well. We're trying to catch up because it's been a couple of weeks now, and there's lots to report on in the broader economy and a lot of that is actually relevant to us in the housing market. So we're going to talk about all these bank failures that have been catching headlines recently, um, what's going on with the Fed and and how that's playing out in terms of interest rates, and then we'll get into what that means for us in housing because we have February numbers that we've already put out. We've got a little bit of a sneak preview of, of what we can expect in March, April, and May as we get into the spring home buying season and and what we think is is kind of coming down the pike, but I think it makes sense to start with the banking sector because that has been the most significant shift in the last month or so with several banks getting into trouble, FDIC having to step in in several cases, and, and of course this is all kind of tied up with what's happening with the Fed. So can we just get a little bit of an overview of kind of lay of the land? What's been happening with banking lately?
0: Absolutely, we can talk about you know a little bit more about banking, and then uh, before we jump into you know what happened to the federal fund rate rates and things like that. So you're right, you know we had a uh, you know prior to uh, March, uh, you know, th- things seems like you know they're working, they're doing fine. It looks like inflation is continued to uh, stay at a very high level, and people expect you know the Federal Reserve to continue to raise rates uh, aggressively. But then, of course, uh, what happened in um, the first week of March March 10th I think is the uh, day that we saw an announcement from a bank called the uh, the uh, Silicon Valley Bank uh, abbreviated as SVB and what happened there was you know on uh, on the 10th they made an announcement saying that they need to raise some uh, raise some some funds because they need some money to fund their operation so what happened? Uh, and that raised a lot of concerns because of their announcement. That raised a lot of concern and it started a bank runs and actually started, you know, this concern about banking crisis. So what happened was that, you know, uh, SVB is a bank that actually has a lot of uh, deposits from uh, startup companies, venture capital lists. And they're, they're, you know, as their name says, you know, they're in Silicon Valley where the uh, tech companies uh, tech industry is and many of us already know in the last six months or so maybe even before then um, we have been seeing you know some slowdown especially in the tech industries and that affected a lot of the uh, startup companies a lot
1: of the venture capitalists. Great and these are the folks that they're primarily dealing with right because on the one hand those are the folks that are actually banking with SVB right they're putting their money in there and they're using that to Fund their operations and pay bills and do all of that stuff. And then this is also a bank that was really invested in the tech sector because they took these deposits and went and and placed bets essentially on on these tech companies, which were also um, slowing in growth. But I think the other big challenge that they had was the the kind of second outlet, if you will, that they were using for the money that they had taken in when the tech sector was doing so well is because on the one hand, they they invested in other tech companies and deployed some of that capital, but they also went out and bought a bunch of treasuries in 2021. And of course, the price of treasuries moves the opposite way. As interest rates and of course we've been in the midst of this kind of fed tightening cycle and and treasury rates have shot up and when they couldn't raise capital and they made that announcement uh on on the 10th they ended up just having to dump a lot of those treasuries that they bought back in 2021 and take a significant loss on those assets only kind of exacerbating the run
0: exactly that's exactly what happened um and, you know, obviously they, they probably thought okay, well, treasury bonds, supposedly quote unquote, safe you know assets right a lot of people believe that is the case and typically that is the case but because they're backed by you know the the government backed by you know federal reserve backed by you know the department of treasury but at the same time you know when we have higher interest rates it's not uh hard to imagine that uh, prices will have to go down especially since they have to sell it in the secondary market now uh, uh rewind a little bit you know before we actually hit the uh uh, svb bank you know failing there actually w- was another bank who failed it was not one of the largest one you know but it's one of the bank uh, in the same uh, area you know and, and silver it's called the it's a Silvergate bank it's actually the first bank that failed um and that bank is a little different compared to svb uh, it actually is a bank with a lot of that deal with a lot of cryptocurrency and then um at the same time a few days later A third bank also failed that actually also deal with a lot of cryptocurrency um, uh, 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 depositors. And that's the uh, signature bank. Now, with all three banks, you know, failing around the same time, that created some concerns. Of course, the bank runs created some concern for SVB, but, you know, it created some concerns about, you know, whether we are actually having a healthy financial system and whether that
1: is going to extend to other banks as well right and and actually although those were mostly california-based banks and focused heavily on california industries or industries that are very predominant in california i think we saw another bank out in new york first republic which Uh wasn't as tech focused and as as some of these other ones but i think you know the uh the challenge is that, that, you know, it, it kind of exposed, I think, this idea that I've been worried about for a while, which is just in general. I think the financial markets are slightly overvalued. These companies during the pandemic were doing really well, but actually as, as high as profits were going, um, or at least as high as revenues were going, the valuations were going up even more than that. And I think ultimately, it just kind of suggests that that you know, the, the valuations were maybe a little bit higher, that the financial markets were running uh, a little bit hotter than what earnings would actually support. And I think that's why you started to see this spread to other institutions that weren't just tech focused. And in particular, I think the Credit Suisse one is, is an informative one because that's not just purely um, a tech play. They do a lot of stuff, everything from consumer products to technology and everything. Uh, in between, and they they didn't fail, but their their asset price plunged by I think 30 percent almost overnight, and had to be um, taken over by with private money, right? It wasn't like a government bailout in Europe, but uh, they ultimately did end up having to be bought by I think UBS, which was their largest competitor right. out there in in Europe, and I think that really kind of solidified these concerns because you couldn't just say it was just tech or it was just these folks that were making bad bets in in technology or over leveraged or what have you but um you know kind of created these these broader concerns and and here in the US we saw that the fed has really had to step in in a pretty major way extending Not just the kind of bailouts done by the FDIC, but deploying a lot of money um, to provide liquidity to the overall banking system to the tune of several hundred billion um, dollars, the taxpayers and, and the U.S. economy is ultimately still on the hook for.
0: Yeah, and and you you pointed out you know very well you know Credit Suisse is a global you know a big bank and uh, for Credit Suisse to come out uh, to to come out and say hey we are in trouble, um U S UBS had to yeah uh, you know, somehow help them out and also the First Republic Bank you know it's also not uh, tech focused they had to be uh, rescued by you know eleven banks that created a lot of concerns and you know I believe you know for the Federal Reserve or the Department of Treasury they have to uh commit to maybe about 140 150 billion dollars and also to announce that at least for SVB bank saying that okay well even the, for those people who have more than 250,000 um Uh, deposits in the bank, if they actually exceed that, uh, the threshold uh, that FDIC insured, uh, we will still be, they will still be able to withdraw the money, at least for SVB bank for now. And they did say something about, okay, well, in the future, if uh, other banks fail, you know, we'll, we'll consider, you know, covering a little bit more, but, um, but, you know, with them coming out, it also bring up, you know, another good point that is uh, we said earlier, the asset price or the uh, treasury uh, prices actually have come down because of increase, interest rate increasing quite significantly. So it brought up a very good point that is that going to actually deter or actually at least help uh, put a, a little bit of a, a, a break on you know the Federal Reserve raising rates a, a bit more aggressively in the
1: next coming months or so. Right. And, and I think that's ultimately where the rubber meets the road for us, right? Is that this does this, fundamentally changed the path that the Fed was, you know, taking because they had signaled that they were going to do a rate hike a few weeks ago, which they ultimately ended up still doing in the wake of these mm-hmm. um, bank failures. And they raised it another 25 basis points. And, and, you know, that takes us up into the 5% range or 5.25%. Um, but, but, Ultimately, they did kind of suggest that maybe um, they they might not be as aggressive moving forward as what they had originally signaled. But they, they still, to this point, um, refuse to take their foot off the gas so far.
0: Yeah, I think, you know, they have to. You know, show the public and show their credibility. They'll have to make. They have to let people know that know that we are committed. We want to make sure that the inflation issues is not going to be out of control, even though it has come down a little bit from somewhere around nine percent mid of last year to somewhere around six percent right now. But they want to make sure that this is what their you know uh, primary goal is to keep inflation down but at the same time of course hopefully hopefully and i'm quote unquote hopefully uh we're not going to push it, it into a recession and that's why they want to race it a little bit you know in in march um 25 basis point and um they did mention in some of their memo and their and and, and when they uh, talk about the uh, rate hike saying that you know we're close to finishing uh, but they did not. Uh, they did not say anything about we're not going to raise rates in May. I think most people believe that they probably will, uh, but maybe not as aggressive as uh, previously suggested.
1: Yeah, and I think ultimately it still hinges on inflation, right? Because right. as much as they don't want to push us into a recession, I think that the bigger concern for them is that we get inflation under control. And, and even though we've made, as you said, significant progress, it still seems as though inflation is running high. Maybe not three times higher than the target we <laughs> were back in February, and of course we're still waiting on that March number um, to come out. But you know we, we're still not where the Fed wants us to be. I think ultimately that means even if they don't raise rates in May, and I still think there's a good chance that they will, we're still in a kind of high uh, rate environment. But it's it's one of those unique situations, right? Because even as the Fed continues to raise rates, what we've seen in the wake of these banking failures is actually mortgage rates have come back down, right? And it seems paradoxical, perhaps on the surface. And that's where we have to kind of remind folks that um, treasuries are still seen, ultimately, from a long run standpoint, as a safe haven and tend to be Um, preferred in times of economic turmoil, especially when it comes to turmoil in the banking sector.
0: Yeah, and we have seen this before, even in the last year and a half or so. We have seen periodically uh, rates have come down, and yeah. we thought, okay, well, that you know, we were declining. We were probably going. It's it's done. You know, we have peaked already. But then, of course, it started going back up just recently, right? Maybe about a few weeks ago, it yeah. started going back all the way up to seven percent, and then uh, of course it started coming back. So probably safe to say that you know the fluctuation is not over. We probably will continue to see you know ups and down a little bit. Now ultimately, uh, you know, if you ask me about year from now, I expect the rate to be a little bit lower. but you know don't expect rates to be going all of a sudden all the way to 6% in the next couple of weeks or so.
1: Right. And I heard somebody who was kind of hoping that we'd see a 5% interest rate by the end of the year. And I think that although we've had a bit of a reprieve, this was mostly driven by this flight to safety amongst investors that drove 10 years lower in terms of yield or up the price. Um, And that has fallen, or not fallen, but transferred through rather to to 30 year fixed rate mortgages. You know, it's funny when we were in January, at the beginning of Uh January, rates had come back down to basically um, low 6% range. And as we got into February, they were ticking right back up and getting close to 7%. And then of course, you know, these bank failures again, drove everybody into treasuries and we've had a bit of a a reprieve, but I wouldn't be surprised to see the dust settle and have rates stabilize in the six and a half or maybe even 7% range before they start coming down in earnest. And we really see these um, you know the Fed get the lid on on the inflation numbers, which, as we saw in in the consumption uh, expenditure report, right, the consumer price numbers, although you know still moving in the right direction, are still going up um, thirty basis points month to month, and if you annualize that, it's it's more than the two percent Fed target absolutely
0: i mean the fundamentals are going to dictate ultimately uh, now let's forget about recessions for now but you know, when we look at the fundamentals of inflation of you know the pce numbers those suggest that you know, things may not be as high as before but it's still considerably high compared to what we have seen before so we're moving in the right direction So we're seeing you know some lowering in activities in manufacturing sectors all things point to the fact that yes we might be slowing you know economically um, uh, maybe maybe not necessary, you know, going to a recession. But we're slowing. Uh, job openings suggest that you know it, it is uh, you know below what we have seen in the past couple of years with yeah. job openings dipping below 10 million. But that number is let me remind you, you know, it is still well above you know that 7 million that we had back in you know February 2020 pre-pandemic level. So we're still the economy is not as white hot as before, yeah. but it's still pretty strong.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. We're not overheated. And I think, you know, when you look at those 9.9 million or so job openings relative to the amount of people that are, um, you know, available to fill those positions, I think we were only in the kind of million range for unemployed people that are actually looking for work, meaning that we've still got about a uh, 4.2 million worker shortage. It's not the five and a half million worker shortage that we had. And that was one of the reasons why inflation was running so hot as well. It wasn't just the supply chain issues or the housing component, which has been running hot for so many years consecutively, but also because, you know, workers are having to, or uh, excuse me, employers are having to work really hard to attract workers because there's just simply more openings than there are workers to fill those those positions. And again, even as that has kind of softened somewhat recently, we're still in a kind of labor shortage environment. And that's why I think even as we'll continue to move in the right direction in these tech troubles and banking failures and things like that will cause hiring to slow. It will make companies that are struggling to raise capital tighten their belts a little bit. Um, It's going to take a while to get labor supply and demand back in line to the point where we're not getting that above average wage, wage growth, which has been such a consistent feature of the inflation that we're seeing. And again, why I think even as we've enjoyed a bit of a A reprieve as rates have come down and everybody poured into treasuries because they were scared about, you know, financial markets that, you know, it's not totally outside the realm that you could see interest rates for 30 year fixed rate mortgages go back above, you know, six and a half and maybe even get to potentially as high as 7% before they really start coming down during the second half of the year when the economy is slower and inflation has cooled more.
0: Yeah. And I think, you know, we will continue to see these uh, uh, fluctuation, volatility a little bit. Now, you know, we have heard, you know, a lot of times and in the news, oh, big companies are laying people off. And you might you might wonder, well, you know, how come, you know, if we have a lot of big companies laying people off that we are still in a, such a strong uh, economic uh, condition? Uh don't forget, of course, in, uh, large companies obviously uh, make announcement at the same time. Small firms continue to uh, hire people, so there is still going to be, you know, some hiring, even though. And of course, we're still uh, short in terms of labor shortage. We're st- seeing the situation, you know, improving a little bit. Participation rate might have gone up a little bit, but uh, it's still a long way to go um, f- as far as inflation is concerned. At the same time, you know, of course. You, you, we do want the economy to continue to stay uh, well, you know, continue okay. to do okay. I mean, hopefully we won't get into a recession. Um, and uh, even if we are going to, it may actually be uh, a small one. So that's what we we're hoping for. Now, at the same time, you know, it, with six, six and a half percent interest rates, it definitely has an impact on sales, right?
1: Absolutely. And, and you know, that's the the challenge I think that, that we're going to face, both because, the higher interest rates that we're currently experiencing, and and note that I said higher and not high. Again, <laughs> um, you know, six and a half percent is not that high from a historical standpoint. And uh, back in the '80s, people had you know double digits or interest rates that were even close to twenty percent, right. and we're nowhere near. That level but going from 2.65 or 3% all the way up to six and a half is a big change from where we were and that significantly increases the, the cost of carrying debt and and when we put out our numbers in February even though they were up a bit from January and we got to 285,000 units almost on an annualized basis. um, That was still, I think the fifth month in a row where we've been below 300,000 units. And I think the pop that we got in February owes in large part to the fact that rates in January had fallen down close to 6%, and that was a big improvement from the 7% that we ended last year with, and I think you saw a lot of buyers flood into the market and, and actually when you look at the pattern of pending sales, and I know we're going to talk about seasonality here, is, you know, with the year got off to an earlier start, partly because rates had gone down by about 100 basis points at the start of the year. And so, you know, if you go back to where we were in December and January, we were in the kind of two hundred thirty-five, 240,000 unit range, sales in February, again, went up to almost two hundred eighty-five thousand units. But but again, I think that as rates went back up, you started to see that demand taper back off. And I, I don't think that we'll enjoy that kind of same double-digit momentum that we had in in month-to-month transactions going forward, both because rates are higher now, um, but also because of all the uncertainty that's been injected by, by just the macroeconomic environment.
0: Yeah, I think, you know, we... We, of course, we get a little excited, you know, and when we saw some of the numbers in February, I mean, hard to believe, of course. uh, A year ago, it was 425. All right, uh, but when we look at you know the last couple months, we get excited when it get up to two hundred, get above two hundred and fifty. You know that's how low we actually had gone down to in the last you know few months or so. But as you mentioned, we are slowly improving. But we we're not going to get too excited. It's true um, we saw a double digit increase on a month to month basis in February, but in March. Uh, with rates actually you know, bouncing uh, back up and down, I think we probably will see some level off in March. Maybe in April, we'll probably will see an improvement. Uh, but I think you know the improvement or the increase in sales probably will be incremental. Uh, I, I don't expect us to all of a sudden jump all the way back to 300, 350-ish or so. Uh, but slight improvement yeah, is, is possible. Uh, and we're, of course, assuming that we're not you know, uh, collapsing because of a banking failure or a banking system failures. We're not expecting a a recessions, but if things follow, you know, the the seasonal pattern, uh, we should actually continue to improve. Uh, Some areas are going to improve a little bit better than others. Like uh, uh, Bay Area, it's actually might have been uh, uh, still kind of trying to uh, get through the, 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 tech layoffs, faces and things like that. So, you know, the improvement there might be a little bit slower. Right. Uh, some other area that might be a little bit more affordable, uh, maybe uh, river, uh, the uh, Inland Valley, maybe the uh, Central Valley areas, we might see a little bit more improvement uh, as rates uh, started uh, leveling off or maybe actually at least for now stabilizing a little bit before it bounced back. So some areas are going to see more improvement than others. But overall, I think, you know, we probably – we have to be – optimistic, uh, cautiously optimistic, I think I should use that term. Um, Don't get too overexcited. uh, But at the same time, uh, we probably will see some improvement uh, in the next month or so. Just don't expect it to be a double digit increase.
1: Yeah, I think it's very much an on the one hand, on the other hand, kind of a story here. Because, you know, if you look at where we were in February, we had 284,000 home sales roughly. And I think, you know, the good news is that I'm still feeling fairly confident that we're at or even maybe slightly past bottom. If you look at our forecast for the year, um, February is right about where we expect the annual number to come in when we get through all 12 months uh, of the year. The bad news is, of course, that, as you said, we don't expect things to come rocketing back and we may level off. We might have a couple of months that go back down below 280,000. We might have a couple of months where we get up above 300,000 as we get towards the end of the year. But I think the, you know, the inventory challenge, and I know we'll talk about that in a second mm-hmm. um, is I, I think going to prevent that 500,000 unit number from coming back around anytime this year. I think even, you know, notwithstanding what happens in the broader economy and if we don't get into a recession and all that, I think the, the challenge is going to be getting enough homes to sell. I'm becoming less and less concerned about where we're going to find buyers even Uh with these higher interest rates and more concerned about where we're going to put folks. And I think that's relevant through the lens of prices, because if you look at our price numbers that we put out in February, I believe it was the fourth consecutive monthly decline. And of course, Um, This is is the first time that we've had year-to-year declines since 2011. So we're talking about a 12-year run of consecutive year-to-year increases and not only, you know, have we seen them kind of a string of them since the end of last year. But the one that we saw in February, where the median price was down 4.8%, was the biggest decline that we've seen since December of 2011. And so, um, you know, you got a lot of folks out there that are really nervous that this is kind of the first domino to fall and, and we're going to experience more precipitous price declines akin to what we saw in 2008. And I think You know, on the one hand, both you and I expect that we're going to see continued price declines. We might even see median prices dip by double digits because (laughs) we get into the spring and and even the summer months, we're going to be comparing it to the time when prices in California were at an all-time high. If you go back to March, April, May uh, of last year, we were still essentially in a 3% interest rate environment, and that's when the median price statewide got above $900,000 for the first time right. in recorded history. And that will, um, you know, even if prices go for and don't go down anymore, it's going to mean ultimately probably a couple of months of double digit decline. But I would just caution folks against reading too much into that because, you know, and, and it's not to kind of understate the, or diminish the fact that the market has shifted and there's less home buyer demand out there. Um, but, Another factor in baked into these price numbers is the fact that we're not seeing that explosive growth at the top end of the market. And the mix of sales continues to kind of uh, normalize back down away from three, five and ten million dollar homes to something that's more uh, retail kind of owner occupant type of price segments that's starting to pick things back up. Um, and, and that tends to exaggerate the price declines. It's not to say that prices aren't gonna be soft, I think they will, but I just kinda wanna make sure that that folks are, are looking at the nuance there, right? That, they're, that things look worse, I think, than they actually are. If you look at the headline number, it's more scary maybe than what's happening at the individual home level because of, of how many homes we were selling in those upper price segments last year and how that has started to moderate back in the face of higher rates.
0: Yeah, I think you're very. We you point out a very good point. You know, the mix of sales definitely you know uh, have a a, a fa- as a factor that determines the median price uh, uh, ups or downs. And you also pointed out that you know because of uh, the uh, surge in. In, in price last year at the beginning of last year we did have a surge of price because uh, people were trying to rush in at the beginning of last year to try to lock into uh, uh low interest rates that actually pushed prices up quite a bit at the beginning of last year so when compared to uh this year this year you know when we move into the next few months or so yeah we will see some higher uh, drop in price on a year-over-year basis but on the other hand you know, when you look at the month to month basis, typically uh, at the beginning of the year, we have low price, and then we'll uh, continue, you'll start to um, climb up a, a little bit. So, despite the fact that we will see double digit decline, maybe in March, maybe in April, uh, the month to month basis, uh, it might actually increase. And I can, I will probably say, uh, That it's possible that as far as the median price hitting the bottom, we might have hit the bottom, you know, either this month or I mean, February or March, and we will probably uh, continue to improve from that point on. Now, if you look at it from that perspective, then it might be a good opportunity for buyers to come in and take a look at, you know, the low prices and also, you know, the uh, still low, relatively low interest rates. Mm -hmm. Uh, So so this is a good opportunity.
1: Absolutely. Especially the Fed raises rates again, especially if people, um, you know, kind of regain some confidence in financial markets and move back mm-hmm. out of treasuries. Um, that would mean that we're ultimately looking at higher prices and higher rates. And and I think that there's an opportunity right now. And and I think especially through the lens of housing supply, right? Because mm-hmm. even as interest rates are, are relatively high and sales are are relatively low. When you look at inventory, it's it's very tight still and getting tighter. And and I think that we have you know some kind of nuance to the data there as well, right? Because if you look at our unsold inventory index, we're up from last year, largely because right. you know, we're not seeing the the same level of transactions, but but ultimately it was down in February compared to where it was in in january and and even though again we're at a fairly depressed level of sales sales were actually we sold more homes in february than we did in january and when you kind of take that together with the fact that we're not putting anything back onto the mls it means that the market's still pretty tight and so the the measures on competitiveness whether we're talking about the number of homes selling above list price the number of uh active for sale homes that have done a price reduction, even the median days on market, those are all showing signs of becoming more competitive as you know rates came back down, and I think you know that that is kind of a perfect storm where buyers again have a potential opportunity now before the market starts to get um, a little bit hotter in the face of just such uh, tight inventory because you know again, and it's not just at the high end, the low end, you're seeing pretty broad based deterioration in inventory.
0: Yeah, I should uh, put in a caveat earlier when I said you know there is an opportunity. There is an opportunity only if you can find a home um, right. in the market, right? Because as you said, you know supply has been very very tight, and it continue to be tight, even though on the surface it looks like you know soot inventory looks okay. But uh, active listings actually has been declining on a month to month basis, on a year over year basis. So, um, and that reason is because of, we've talked about it many times before, the lock in effect. Many people, many homeowners refinance their properties or maybe purchase their property at 5% or below. And now, you know, we're still at 6.5%. So, a lot of people decide to stay put not put their house on the market and that's why we're depleting in terms of inventory and we're not building as much also a lot of people actually have been building apartments multi-family so you know this year it is going to continue to be tight and that's the part of the reasons why we have been seeing a competitive market as well as you know sales not flying you know back up to the level that we're where we were at you know last year or so um, or maybe even dropping significantly so um, with that said What do you think is going to happen in the next couple months uh, when we move into the home buying season?
1: Yeah. And again, I think, you know, I, I still feel confident. I know we updated our forecast, but it didn't change dramatically from what we did back in October. We're a little bit more pessimistic on on home sales. I think we have like close to 290,000 this year. And I think originally we were in the low 300,000 range for 2023 as a whole. I still think that's pretty much on track. And I think through the lens of where we are right now, it's it means that we probably are, um, you know, at or maybe even slightly past the bottom when it comes to transactions. But I, I just think that we should limit our expectations when it comes to how fast we're going to bounce back. Mm-hmm. because um, Even with rates as high as they are, we still have people out there that want to buy homes that want to um, take advantage of rates while they're down closer to 6% than they are to 7 The fact that they don't have to be as um, Hyper competitive for those listings that are available as they had to last year, and and again, I'm just more concerned about the inventory, which which I don't think is going to be quick to come back. You mentioned the lock-in effect, but it's really significant that you know 85 plus percent of mortgages out there um, on existing homeowners are at or below four percent, and so folks, you know, unless you really want to move or have to move are, are going to probably wait and see. And I think that means that we'll see sales that are in the, you know, maybe high 200,000 range, or maybe even get up to the low 300s as we get into the second half of the year. But that's again, still much lower than the 500,000 unit pace that we hit at the end of 2020 and beginning of 21.
0: Yeah. And, and also I think, uh, you know the supply side, as you mentioned, is weak. I have heard, you know, uh, anecdotally before, and this is more like a national conversation. You know that I heard that okay, institutional buyers, investors are going to release their property because prices are going to go down, and they want to get rid of those properties. Well, first of all, of course, prices yes, it has been the prices have been going down, but it's not as dramatic as what we saw, you know, back in oh eight oh nine. Or twenty ten. Uh, the other part of it also is um, we may not necessarily in California. We may not necessarily have as many institutional buyer investment investor buyers uh, as uh, we 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 saw in some of the other states. Uh, of course, California is still a pretty expensive state, um, or some of the counties are pretty still still pretty expensive, and that's one of the reasons why I don't think we're going to see a flood of properties um, going into the market from investors or institutional buyers. Right. Um, and that's the reason why I think prices also, even though we expect it to go down, it probably will not go down uh, by more than, you know, eight or 9%. Um, and, and so it's not going to be a double digit decline that we, uh,
1: that we saw 15 years ago. Right. And just to be clear, we might see a couple of months of double digit declines as we're comparing them to those $900,000 medians that we hit last year but when you aggregate up the year i i don't think we have it in us just again because inventory is just so um so incredibly tight and we just again days on market is going down fewer sellers are starting to reduce prices you actually have more homes selling above list again and that kind of all flies in the face of more precipitous price declines and so i think that you know in some ways our biggest weakness Um, in terms of lack of inventory, depressing sales, is also our biggest strength in the sense that, you know, you're not going to see the bottom fall out when it comes to prices. And I think that should be um, encouraging to home buyers, right? Because I think that's the, you know, even though you have a lot of folks, you can't afford homes now at higher rates, you still have a lot of folks that can, but are sitting on the sidelines, because they're, they're worried about their home, value being cut in half the way that it maybe was back in 2008. And I think, you know, when you, when you think about it from that standpoint, that should give you some solace. If you're a buyer that's in it for the long haul, looking to raise your kids and send them to high school and do all of that stuff and really leverage the long-term value of home ownership, which in my mind is what home ownership is all about. It's not about timing the market and buying low and selling high. You know, I think that should give you a little bit of um, comfort and, and encouragement that maybe it does make sense to get back out there and look before the market starts heating back up again. And you're facing even higher prices and higher interest rates down the road.
0: Yeah. I also want to put a footnote since you, you put a footnote on price decline earlier. I also want to put a footnote that, um, doesn't the number that I said, you know, we most likely will see only an eight and nine percent percent decline. I'm referring to a state level, of course, some areas we probably will see a little bit bigger decline. Uh, but when you agree to everything at the state level, uh, most likely we will see, you know, a high single digit decline rather than a double digit decline that we saw in the past years. Absolutely. So,
1: you know, again, I think that we we need to very much keep the belts tight, but I, I don't think you're going to see things deteriorate materially um, beyond what we've already experienced. Don't forget, late last year, home sales were down below 240,000, right? And I do think that will probably be the low watermark. Um, that was actually about as low as they ever got back during the 2008 financial crisis and you got a lot of folks out there with home equity we've got delinquency rates that are way below Mm -hmm. the historical average currently and again you've those folks are largely sitting in the lowest interest rate mortgages of all time and so uh, that that to me doesn't isn't the recipe for a big foreclosure crisis or a bunch of people walking away and defaulting on their loans or anything like that and so It's going to be a long slog back to the 450, 500,000 unit pace that we enjoyed for about a year there. Um, But I do think that we can be uh, modestly optimistic, even with the current headwinds about where we'll be towards the end of the year and as we get into 2024
0: absolutely absolutely and and you know the even with a uh, decline in price this year uh, we might be lower than last year's level I may be even below 2021 level but we're still above you know the 2020 level and from this point on we'll probably see a uh, you know uh, some improvement in both price and sales just don't expect it to be a significant jump.
1: Right. Yeah. Even in our worst case scenario that we have forecasts, I think, you know, we're still going to end up with prices that are higher than they were before the pandemic. And, and we'll probably resume that long run trend, which is driven, don't forget, by structural issues in California, where we have almost 40 million people living here. Um, and we've slashed the amount of new construction that we do on an annual basis, meaning that over the long run, which, again, is where I think the whole um, benefit of home ownership comes into play prices in California only ever go one way and and I just wish I had more money to go out and buy more <laughs> properties right now because I, I feel very confident that 20 years from now we'll be kicking ourselves for not you know buying when prices were only quote unquote 800000 and so I think <laughs> you know, that's a, a helpful piece of information that you're going to want to share with buyers is that again it's about the long run and, and people who bought 20 years ago are doing really well for themselves and people who buy now are going to be doing really well for themselves 20 years in the future and so um, that's what it is all about and yes we're in for a a relatively bumpy ride economically um, but we don't have those same conditions for a big housing crash the way that we did back in 2008 Um, so find a house that you like that you can afford if rates go down you can refi it just make sure that you can afford that payment now and that you like the home and I have no doubt that it'll end up being a good investment for you over the long run so well um, said well said going to be lots of news coming down the pike we're waiting on uh, you know retail sales data for march we're waiting on inflation data for march and of course we have housing data that we'll be putting out in about a week and a half for march as well and so as all of these numbers come out we will look at them for you so that you don't have to bother yourself Uh, and we'll be right back with you to let you know what it all means for us in california Um, for our clients, our buyers and sellers out there and what it means obviously for you as the real estate professional. Should we give any other updates before we call it Oscar or did we do a good job?
0: I think we covered all our bases and again we have a lot of go- things going on. We will cover you know we'll have another one uh, in about a few weeks or so but don't forget you know if you want something immediate we always have those short video that we post on our website and we always have our weekly market minutes that you can take a look at every single week.
1: Yeah. So, you know, this is kind of our bigger, more comprehensive thing that we like to do via podcast, but there's a lot of quick hits. The one pager that Oscar mentioned, where we just give you a quick rundown of what what the latest data releases were, what they showed and what they mean for us. And, and I think um, those one minute real quick videos that are also on our website, just kind of our are very bite-sized snippets and they're great to share with consumers because we kind of try to break things down in layman's terms and focus on the the hottest issues of the day so uh, please feel free to take a look at those and of course you can contact us at any time if anything else comes up but until then um, we will see you on the next one all right see ya